0: Do you know any raps? <laughs> I mean, in my old days, before Christ, I was a rapper.
1: Did, did, uh, did you ever Those rap? things
0: we've put to death. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to resurrect a Drew rap. There is no such thing as a Drew
1: rap. Do you oh. think I can rap? Look at me. Oh. I, I, I wrote a rap for the groups once. Really? I can't remember it. One of those lives, everything's spinning... I can't remember the rest of it. my raps would be like Dr. Seuss raps lives. Everything's Russian feels so our goal on this podcast is to know Jesus better and by the power of his spirit do better. So together we can be a little better. Well, welcome to a little better. So glad to have you as we continue our summer trek through the book of Colossians. Well, past the halfway point. Uh, you keep track of the numbers, right? Do you know what week, what week this is? This is week six. Yeah. Week out six. Out of ten. So, six well past ten. the
0: halfway might, might oh, be well, an exaggeration. Just, just, just actually, past.
1: We're, we're just past <laughs> the halfway point. Drew has taken us past the halfway point this week. Drew, great to have you back. It's, good to um, be here. it's been a fun fraternity um, of speakers. Yeah. You know, this, I mean, I've, it's no, I mean, you know it, right? We work on it. There's just no, better way to learn a text than to preach it yeah right and so for all of us we're feeling that same thing for me just to spend this time in Colossians and it just opens up my ears I'm listening more carefully to what other guys share because I'm in it too and they're feeding me and I just love the kind of symphony really that's coming together Mm. from these different voices with the same message so love having you back love the message you bring and for our folks why don't you recap it in 60.
0: Yeah, we, we talked about change, ultimately. Like, that was our focal point, and we talked about where change really comes from, from the resurrected Savior. Like, if we've truly been raised with Christ, our lives will change. But that introduces a problem, because we all struggle to achieve change. Right. And we can't do it. It's, it's Christ's work in us. And so Paul really kind of sets that theological foundation. And then he gives us practical steps to change, right. To put to death sinful things and to wear the new clothes, wear the righteousness Christ purchased for you. And so that's kind of my message in a nutshell. And I think that was like 15 seconds, Brad. That's a record broken
1: world record. (laughs) Well, that uh, begs the next question, which was, and I don't think I've ever heard the answer no, but maybe we'll get the answer no today. Um, What did you leave on the table? (laughs) What's crazy is I was thinking about that, you know, that question,
0: and I think the answer is I don't, I don't, I mean, obviously you can always expound on things, but I feel like I covered what I really wanted to cover from Colossians 3 all the way to, you know, verse 12 to 14, right? I feel like I kind of hit the nail on the head of what Paul is trying to teach. So I, there was never a time in my message where I was like, man, I really wish I could dive more into that. I feel like, mm-hmm. I feel like, it's an odd feeling, right? I felt like, man, yeah, I felt good about it.
1: No, I think there's, this would be a difference between you and me as speakers, I mean, you have so much more experience with it, and I'm sure that you've got a much more developed sixth sense when you prepare a message of, like, how much fits. Mm-hmm. How, I overwrite messages. You know? yeah. I'm still so nervous and insecure about it. I'm going to manuscript it, and then I'm going to have probably one and a half times what I need and then I'm just you know cutting 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 things but you probably come into it really with a sense of hey I know what time I have and and it it works I I
0: definitely think it's weird because I can write a message and it always fits in my time frame like within like a couple minutes obviously but like it is kind of weird that I've I've done it so much that I kind of like It's like my body just knows. Like this is enough content. This is, and I don't like having content that I fall in love with and have to chop it. Like that, like hurts me. Yeah, you know. So when we write, you know, this (laughs) sometimes (laughs) I'll just I'll put the content in, knowing I'm not going to preach it, but Uh know like, hey, this is what the podcast is for. We can dive a little bit deeper, talk a little bit more about things that are 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 are, are we left out. So,
1: Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so, uh, and again, I'm sure there's messages that, you know, you know, wreck you more others that are just, you know, stuff that's been well digested. Was there a personal journey for you in this message? Was there any sort of aha or development thing way you thought about it differently before or after? Honestly, I think the aha moment for me was just recognizing the
0: depths of my sin and the sins that I haven't put to death, right? And I understand that putting them to death is a journey, right? It's not just a flip the switch, you know, light it up and it's gone. Um, but for me, that was the most challenging thing. I I know, like, you know, from my training and seminary, like change comes from Christ. It's because we have a resurrected Savior. Those are all things I know in my head, right? Um, but like, man, I'm just really good at sin. Yeah. And I don't want to be, but I am. And for me, I was just so challenged of like, I have so... I have, compared to Christ, I have so far to go. And I was
1: just kind of a little bit overwhelmed with like ah. Yep. I need to do that. Yeah, you know, a couple of weeks ago I I put on my Facebook page, you know, a link to my, you know, to my message and you know, my daughter, I, I'd said that I would just say I'd been devastated by the gospel. And my daughter said, Dad, did you cry? And I was like, of course I cried. <laughs> That's what I did." But, do. <laughs> um, but you, what you say reminds me of, you know, it was, you know, genuine emotion for me, you know, to get... Sometimes it's stuff um you need to be reminded of but for me and probably for you too it's something i need to feel again mm-hmm. you know it's yeah. just become too routine too yeah. too too rote but you know when i was preaching that message for me at the cross i was also just that you know that my sin took jesus to the cross mm-hmm. you know and that he took my sin and he gave me his righteousness and so for your message i think it's dangerous to like jump into Colossians without any context, right? You sure. could just land there and then it becomes like this moralistic message. Law, oh, yeah. this is what I need to do. I need to be less bad and more good, yep. right? But that you feel this connection to the gospel and mm. you did it, you know, just harking back to since, you know, because of Christ, since Christ, yep. you know, the this is what changes everything. And then yeah. that's what makes a change possible. Mm. Um. Heart and mind, you brought that up. I don't know if there was, um, you know, we had in pre-preach, you know, I know we talked about it. People kind of were, you know, wanting a little bit more, but uh, sure. how would you understand that difference between heart and mind?
0: Yeah. I mean, what's, what's hard about your heart and your mind is like, okay, what are, what are those? I think they even asked that in pre-preach. I, in pre-preach, I said body parts and you probably didn't hear that in the message because I, I adjusted, um, but like, okay, when Paul says "set your heart, set your mind,"
1: what is he talking about? Right? right? It could be it's a, a, a brain and a heart. Right? We know those things. So it's like physical right. organs. Exactly. But that's not I don't think really he's saying he's like, "Hey, it. you need
0: to have surgery and like yeah. adjust the placement mm-hmm. of your heart." No, he's right. he's really talking about like the, what what is your heart and, and your mind? They're, they're things that derive passions that derive your aspirations, things you think about, dwell on, right? If you're passionate about something, it's in your heart. It starts there and it it goes to your mind. So your mind is constantly thinking and dreaming and building and creating these things. And so I think what Paul is getting at here when he talks about your heart and your mind, um, I read a quote on Sunday. He talks about those desires you have, those passions, those aspirations that you have, those are supposed to be aligned with things above, right. not earthly things. Right. And so maybe a better question to ask is like, what you desire, what you long for, your dreams, are they earthly dreams, or are they heavenly things? Do they have eternal value, or do they have just eternal value? And -hmm. I think that's what Paul is ultimately getting at, is the things that we long for, the things that we desire, those should align with the things Christ desires, not what the American dream desires, not
1: what the world desires. Right. And sometimes I think about how, I mean, we feel a bit more in control of our thoughts, you know, and our minds... But not as in control as we think we are. But when it comes to our heart, it's just like what I'm passionate about, what drives me, what I love. I feel less control about that. I mean, it's just like I do or I don't yeah. desire godly things. Yeah. I do or I don't desire sinful things. And I feel this need for and I Christ to change my heart. I think why Paul starts the heart is because
0: ultimately what your heart longs for, your mind thinks about, right? So if you're longing for something, just know that's in your heart, Right, that longing, that aspir, a- a- aspir- Wow, huh, that those aspirations, aspiration, yeah. that um, dream. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, starts in your heart, and right. then I think Paul says, "Set your mind," because if your heart is set on something, your mind's going to think about it.
1: Right, and then I think of the word rationalization, where we build these elaborate justifications <laughs> so for things we should not want. <laughs> yeah, yep. hey, you started off the message just talking about there are there are. Things that change us. Now, of course, you went to it is Christ and our encounter with Christ and the gospel, which is the most significant change. But um, what what are some of the things you've seen in your life that have you know you know in the Drew journey? Maybe I can think about the Brad journey too. But what are those things that have changed us? Mm-hmm. Events that were so significant that they changed us and, and God used them. Yeah, you know, you know, in the process. And I think
0: that's what we have to remember. You know, it's easy to you know, it's easy to argue that first point, the origin of change is a resurrected savior. Well, people are going to say, well, I don't believe in the resurrected savior and I feel like I've changed. Well, the truth is God is using those things in your life to produce change. And I think we always have to come back to that. God is the change maker. And times, like in my journey, I think about my journey, one, of the, one, one thing that really recently significantly changed my life was the death of my dad, right? it changed me in so many ways from the way I appreciate the, the people I love in my life to the way I see life as short to the health I want to take care of myself, right? And tr- do my best, God willing, to be around longer than my dad was. So there's like, so I, I could keep going on and on. So I would think that would be one of the things that God brought into my life, which was hard and difficult, but he used it to produce change in my life. I think of... That moment as a seven-year-old boy with my family saying yes to Christ, putting my faith and trust in him. Honestly, that has changed my life from seven to 37. Ouch, that hurts to say. Um, <laughs> dramatically. like, every, like I, I love how Paul says, he says, to live as Christ. Mm-hmm. And I, if I look back over those 30 years of my faith in Christ, I can see through this journey, God bringing things into my life from small things mm-hmm. to hard things to big things to great things Right. to sanctify me, to change me, to mm-hmm. make me look more
1: like him. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of those things, There's like the death of your dad. I mean, they're such hard things, but then you see that, Sadly for me, I'm a slow learner. Right, <laughs> I I <laughs> need to suffer in order to change. That is the God, the primary way God works with me. I was kind of it's interesting. I don't know that I ever knew this. You said you were, you know, first accepted the gospel at age seven. Mm-hmm. I accepted the gospel at age seven when I was seven. It was 1969, but uh, that's when I started my journey with Christ. But it's interesting; we were both uh, seven that is, s- seven that's years pretty old. Crazy. Yeah, and,
0: and it doesn't always have to be bad things, right? Like I think of the birth of my children. Those events changed my life, right? They made me less selfish, right? Not only not, sometimes not by choice. God brought a child into my our family to make me realize how selfish I am and you know it's hard as a dad i got four children right now many parents know this even as young people get ex- with desires to get married just know like when you have a child it's beautiful but it also just shows you like how much you love you <laughs> and and how much that sacrifice for a child just shows you how easily we slip into selfishness.
1: Well, you see it with how critical I was growing up of my parents (laughs) until I had kids. (laughs) (laughs) It was just like, I don't know. Oh, I'm sorry. I did not know it was this hard for you.
0: There are so many things (laughs) I said as a, a teenager... That now I'm literally like eating my words oh, of like, I will never, my,
1: I, when I parent, I told my parents
0: all the time, when I parent, it will be different for my kids. Oh, I'm like, dear Lord, no, it will not be.
1: I used to th- think they did a terrible job, now I, I don't even think I come close to doing yeah. as good a job as they did. Um, let's see. Oh, I know we were talking about, and maybe we've addressed this already. I do not know if there was more to say, but we feel, what do you say to that person who kind of feels that tension where, again, this, the scripture seems to be putting a lot of weight on our responsibility, but isn't it Christ who's supposed to do it? And I told you, we're not supposed to do this change. We don't have, you know, it's not up to us to make the change. It's our faith in the change maker. So, how, how do you kind of wrestle with that tension of what's on you, what's on God?
0: Yeah, that's a hard dichotomy right there, right? In the sense of God produces the change, right? Okay, so we have to have that theological foundation, right? Nothing you do is going to produce change. Oh, but the hard part about that is we can't sit around. It's like prayer, okay? Right? We're 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 commanded to pray, right? But God, we're praying to the one who does the does the things, right? And sometimes we pray and he doesn't do the things we want. And it's like, oh, why waste my time praying, right? We can feel the same way about change. It's like, if God's producing it, is there anything I can do that actually is gonna matter? Yes, the answer is yes. You have to take responsibility in taking action. And I believe a lot of times God honors our action by producing change, right? Just if I could be God for a second, why in the world, if, if I'm God and I look at you, Brad, and you're like, oh God, I want to change, but I'm not going to do anything for it. Why would I grant you change? Right. And sometimes God does. Um, and that change motivates us to do more things. I don't know how God works. If I did, I'd be God. Right. But the hard part is I know there's a responsibility on me That if I want change, I have to do the things necessary, but that doesn't mean that's not enough to change me. I have to do the things and God has to produce the change.
1: Yeah, it's a mystery that we cannot resolve, but there are two things we have to firmly hold to, which is one is, you know, I... I, Love quoting John Stott, who says, the only thing I contribute to my salvation is the sin from mm-hmm. which I need to be saved. <laughs> so it's all God. So we, on that one hand, it's all God, beginning to end. And yet we are Responsible, yeah, and Paul never lets up on that. You yep. know, I mean, people who don't work and don't feed their families, he has a pro- he has a problem with that, right? Yeah. We have responsibilities, but because, but the, our only hope for any any effective change in work is because we've been made alive in yes. Christ. We got a lot yep. of dead people trying to change themselves, and that's it's true, not going well. Yep. Um, let's see. Uh, I was wondering about. Um, I loved your illustration with the. The weed killer that was water in there, right? I mean, we've had some. <laughs> we don't want any people calling in with cancer claims. That was water. It's 100 water. water yes, uh, in there. But in reality, back home, you're spraying weed killer. Um, but that was a pitcher. Mm. What is what is what does that look like in our lives? And what advice? If you had a friend who just is, you know, somebody community group, I mean, habitual struggle with sin, uh, how? Do, what what advice can you give to someone for killing it? Yeah, I think the first thing you should do is ask God to help
0: you, right? Mm-hmm. Pray, God, I need change. Help me change, right? Mm-hmm. You got to start there. If God is truly the change maker, mm-hmm. we have to go to him first. Yeah. And so our first instinct is with addictions, sinful things is like, at least mine is I'm gonna muster up the strength and I'm going to do it, right? I'm going to throw all these things away. I'm going to, and it's like, okay, those are good steps to take, but the first step has to be, God, I need you to change this in me. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then once I do that regularly, not like one time, most of us be like, okay, God, I need you to change this. Why haven't you changed this? Well, right. keep praying that prayer. God mm-hmm. change this in me. God changes in me. Mm-hmm. And then do the things you need to do. Okay. So if it's an addiction, okay, get rid. Let's it's an addiction to pornography. Don't be alone with your computer, mm-hmm. right? Don't be alone with your cell phone. If you have to get rid of your smartphone to a phone that can't go on the internet do those things. Put accountability in your life. Tell somebody about your struggle. Have somebody hold you accountable who weekly is going to ask you, hey, did you do that thing? Hey, Mm. how can I help you? Hey, how can I pray for you? And so I think we go to the change maker and then we do the things that we put the things in life. We put the guardrails in our life. So when we get close to that, there are things that like get in our way to actually going back to that thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then eventually I think God sees and honors that and he destroys the sin, the cravings, the desire
1: for it. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I was just reminded, I was listening to a podcast. Someone was talking about just praying for years and years and years. And then finally God Resolving a health issue, uh, and the question is, why does God take so long, hmm. like to answer you know those prayers? But it's just I that yeah, in the very first prayer, we believe we have faith and dependence on God, but do we really? But ten years later, I mean people have likened it to ripening a fruit mm. right that your faith has it's it's not about getting God to do what you do but God is growing a faith in you, yeah. ripening a faith in you and that that years you know it can be years it could be instantly you know years of faithfulness and prayer God works a work i know he you know works a work you know in my yeah. heart and i don't know how many years you know i'm going to have to pray for my kids you yep. know or there's other things that I, but anyway, I love your go-to of prayer. Well, and one thing we have to like warn our
0: hearts against is your story is different than everybody else's story. Mm-hmm. So you know, someone's struggling with an addiction, and they see somebody else like, "Hey, they prayed," and they say their story is, "I oh, mean, I prayed, and God took it away." Mm-hmm. And what happens is we compare their story to our story, yeah. and we want, we pray and we're like, "God, why didn't you do that for me?" Right? Because that's not your story. Right. And like you said, God is ripening the fruit in your life. And mm-hmm. so it, it's hard sometimes to look at somebody else's story and be like, I just wish God would do that for me. Well, mm-hmm. it's, he's not because he knows that's not what's best for you. Right. And so don't compare your story to other people's story because God is writing your story. Mm-hmm. Your story, he's ripening your fruit, he's sanctifying you and he knows better than you.
1: Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. I, um, any last thoughts or advice or think, things that you would love people to take away? I love that, I mean, just that emphasis and that reliance on prayer, which again, to me, it's so committed to what Colossians is about. Yeah. It's, it's the confidence and faith and what God has done and God will do. Any other um, thoughts you would, you know, just take away from this passage, encouragements you'd have for us as a church?
0: Yeah, I, I, I love the hope that he ends with, right? He, he literally says, you know, kill all these things, like rid yourself of these things. And He's not saying that so you become a better person, right? He's he's pointing you to wear the clothes that Christ wears, right? Like that the joy that that God gives you, that you get to wear the same clothes your savior does. You get to have the same attributes, the same characteristics of Christ. What an honor that is, right? Can you imagine like, a, we don't have kings and queens, but like, can you imagine your 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 favorite celebrity, right? The person you aspire to be and you got to meet them and they say, hey, guess what? I have a wardrobe of all the, the things you love about me. You get to put those on. That's what Jesus did for us. He's literally like, you get to be like me and wear these clothes. And what a joy it is that we we, Paul ends with the hope of the gospel, like, Because of Jesus' resurrection, this is where he wants to take our life to. This is what he
1: wants us to be. Yeah. Well, I heard it a few times what you said just there, get to. Yeah. We get to. By Christ, through the cross, Mm -hmm. by the Holy Spirit, we get to. Mm -hmm. So I hope that's an encouragement to you. Can't wait for this series to continue. Join us again next week for more of Colossians.